Good morning. So glad to have you here today. You've weathered the raindrops and everything. It's good. It's good. Um, I didn't make it up to the grandstand. I got some of you coming in, but I'm looking for you in the foyer afterwards. I did have trouble maneuvering on the floor today. Did anybody notice that the chairs are closer together? Did that mess with anybody? Did that ruin your Sunday? That the... The reason being, we added chairs because we've got a concert. Ann Wilson will be here in concert night. It's a sold-out event, and uh, we are, we're hosting those kind of things from time to time. It's been a good, good week. Uh, we were able to, to staff and volunteers serve the whole Smithville crew, teachers and staff, support staff, this week to show our appreciation for them. And, uh, and then we have, we have a youth that are on retreat, uh, early uh, middle school and, and senior high. So they're going to be back in mass for second service. And I just want to say to you, no guilt trip, but you know, I'm, an, I'm a youth pastor at heart. I did that for 16 years full time and loved it, loved it, loved it. I could probably be a better one now because I have a lot more sense than I had energy back then, if you know what I mean. But I just, wanna, I just wanna encourage you when you have kids and teens and early, when there's a retreat or something like that, do everything you can to get your kids there. I'm telling you, you never know what could be a life-changing event. You never know when the Lord might move and they might give their heart to Jesus. So I'm not getting on anybody. I know we have sports and all those things, but make every effort you can to get them there, whatever it is. Because, and you know, I know a lot of kids, they say, well, nothing new under the sun. Why is you pastor? Well, my friends are at school. I go, bring them. Bring your friends, okay? If you don't like anybody here, bring the kids you do like, okay? And start a new thing. So I, I'm just so proud of what's going on. I've been praying for them all through the week that there would be spiritual breakthroughs for that all through the weekend. So I, I know you'll join me in that. Another thing, too, without embarrassing anybody, but as I was greeting people today, I realized that at least three or four people that, that are just moving into the north side, some of them are here today, uh, and we've got probably four families that there's a good chance that they may call this their church home. Isn't that a neat thing? All right, so when you drive by there, I hope you remember to pray for them and for the families that come in there, uh, and uh, we'll bless them all with a little appreciation gift that we've got going for them. And, and just remember that. When you, go, when you drive by other churches, pray for the pastor and the people, you know, and, and do whatever, and uh, just, just make a habit of that. When you drive by somebody's business, home where they work, just pray God's blessing and favor upon them. Let's get in the habit of doing that. We want to support everything that's good, don't we? And every life-giving church that's proclaiming the name of Jesus, we want to support that and pray for them. So once again, so, so good to have you here. We're in our seventh week of this series. Uh, I am a child of God, and uh, I'm going to bring it home today. And then next week, we're going to start a new series for three weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. That's, that's going to be Do It, nothing to do with Nike at all. Oh, I don't have a Nike symbol today. Oh, yeah, on my sock there. You're good. Uh, and I'm going to talk about living exclusively, living abundantly, and living generously. And then the week after Thanksgiving, that's our blessing season. We have five seasons around here, summer, summer, winter, spring, and fall. And then we have the blessing season, and that's Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving, all the way through New Year's. And we'll just bless the socks off of all kinds of people and serve our community in ways. It's a delight to do that. We'll have the Christmas jar unveiled. We'll be collecting grocery bags, and uh, we just we can never do less. We always have to keep doing more and more for others. So we're excited about that. And then right on that, the last Sunday of December, and we'll have this in print, but we're starting, we'll, we'll start our 21 Jumpstart, and that's like a time of spiritual renewal and a calling to just create new disciplines that make decisions and disciplines in our life that will carry us into the new year because a lot of us have regrets about the past year. And uh, we're going to call that series Living Transformed. 
Can you imagine that? What's our mission? Loving God, loving people. And the third one is what? Living transformed. That's about living palms up life. It's not about me. It's about him and about everybody else. It's about him and them. That's what living transformed is all about. So I just wanted to give you a little heads up about things that are going on. There's always a lot of things going on. Uh, we aren't the only church on the block in the area for sure, and we pray for other life-giving churches, but I can, I can guarantee you this is a life-giving church. And it's not because of the building, but it's because of the people, namely you, and also you online, and we're so glad to have you here today. All right, well, today, we're gonna, I'm just gonna come, sum it up by using the word Christian, Christian. We've, we've worked through, and I'll review some of the things we've been at, but I, I looked on our website for the Church of Nazarene again, and, 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 our, and our statement boldly is this, the first one is that we are a Christian people, and I wanna talk about what that means because that's not a name only. That, that can be an empty identification point. It can be, it can be more about a, a profession of something than a possession of something, and we believe that only possessing is life-changing, correct? So that's one of our main statements. And so being a Christian means that in Christ, in Christ, Christ in you, you have a new identity. And what may that new identity be? You can stand and boldly proclaim without shame, I am a child of God. You're not bragging on you, you're bragging on him. You're not pointing yourself, you're pointing to him. And you're saying, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And there's no greater blessing that'll ever flow from him than to be a child of God. Because that means when you're a child of God, when you say yes to Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin, I confess, I repent, I turn to you, I wanna live my life for you. You join the family, it's not optional. You're a part of the team, and I wanna remind you of that today. You are a believer and a follower of Jesus. That means your relationship is present tense up to date. It's not about what happened 50 years ago, though it needs to start somewhere. You, you, you need to meet somebody on occasion, but it's about where you are now in your relationship with Jesus. So my question to you as pastor is, are you following him now? I wanna tell you, I probably have it jotted in the margin later on, but distance is such a problem. You know what? Distance creates separation. Did you know that? Isn't that the same thing? No, distance leads to separation. And the fact of it is, just like thinking 21 Jumpstart, a lot of us get so busy through the season that, that we stop showing up. I mean, there's a lot of ways that I could say stop showing up. But when you stop showing up, that's the first alarm signal. When I haven't hugged people for three or weeks in a row, I get concerned about that. There's a method in my madness, let me tell you. Right, I've seen, I, I recognize my dad's a preacher, my two brothers are preachers, they're all retired, my dad's in heaven. But I, I would notice that. They, they would sit around the table every Sunday. My dad pastored smaller churches of 150 to 200. But, but we would go around and my mom would make a list and we'd name everybody that was there and everybody that was missing. Because there's a concern if you're missing. When there's an empty chair around the family table, that's a concern, isn't it? So I'm not, getting, I'm not, I'm not lecturing anybody. I'm just saying how passionate I am about us being connected to the family. So let's move on. That new identity, I am a child of God, and saying that again with emphasis, not just blandly, but I am a child of God. We go to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that says, therefore, in light of that, if anyone, oh, I like that word, that inclusive word, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, it's, that is implied if you're not in Christ, you are not a new creation. If you're not in Christ, you have not been found by him. You may know about him, but you don't know him. It's in knowing him, it's life-changing. When we're in Christ, Christ is in us. He is, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
Uh, when, I was a, when I was a youth pastor that I mentioned about, I used to have uh, not an Etch-a-Sketch, I could use that for an example, but does anybody remember those, those black uh, gooey uh, magic pads with the paper, shiny paper they put down on top of it, and the red wood sticks? Does anybody not remember those? All right. Well, I was always looking for ways. I tried to illustrate everything with my teenagers, and I said, Here, here's what it's like, this new creation business. It's like you take that red pen, and that represents you and your will, your free will, and you just start doing your own thing, and you make all kinds of marks, and do all kinds of things on that. But when you meet Jesus, and you say, come into my heart, Jesus, I'm saying yes to relationship with you, he reaches down with his love and grace, and he pulls that sheet up, and you hear this, <laughs> and when you lay it down again, what's there? Nothing. The interesting thing is, what Satan wants to do, he wants to pull up the top sheet and go, look at those scars of previously done things. And, and you know, that's what he does. He tries to rub our nose in that, but we lay the, the sheet down again, go, yeah, but Jesus has forgiven those things. That's what it means to be found by him. And if you're not found by him, you're lost. And that's not a detrimental statement. That has everything to do with where you're gonna spend eternity. And we're concerned about that. So, who wouldn't want to become new, no matter what age we are? And by the way, this gives us a perspective that's something I've been writing down, a lot of things I've said over the years. But I just want to remind you, as our culture wobbles and shakes and creaks and groans and all that, God's still sovereign and he's in control. And I want to remind you that whatever situation you find yourself in today, this is not all there is. Do you believe that? We're living for a higher calling. We're living for a higher goal. We're under the one who is sovereign. He is just as sovereign now as he was 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. He is in control. Your situation, this is not all there is. Keep the faith. Keep praying. Keep believing. And trust that God will use whatever life and breath he gives you to honor him and glorify him. That's what makes life significant. You got all that for free. That wasn't in my notes. Through Christ and in Christ, I've been saying, you now have a new and a powerful identity. Your life purpose is to follow Jesus from here all the way to heaven. And as I've been saying, and to not do it alone, but to take as many people with you as possible. I mean, who do you want to leave behind? Do you want to leave your, leave your kids and grands behind in your pursuit of Jesus? Do you not care whether or not they spend eternity in heaven? What's more important than that? Your extended family, your friends. We want to use the influence he's given us to make a difference with them. One of our five vision frame measures that you can see on the walls that we talk about all the time, Worcester has is it seems unusual, but it's a word genuine. This is one of the markers that tells us when we're being successful, successful in being who God has called us to be. We're genuine. We're the real deal. We're not going for perfection. That's not the point. It's a progressive movement where we're, where we're growing more and more like Christ. His forgiveness is instantaneous, but we grow more and more like him every day. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saves you by his grace when you believe. The very moment you believed and confessed with your mouth, what's the Bible say? You're saved. That's how you're saved. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Aren't we, we're really good at shirking the blame and, and taking the credit, aren't we? Oh, come on. Now, I don't mean we, but you know people we see every day. They're really good at shirking responsibility and, 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 and shrugging off the blame. No, that's human nature to do that, but God says, no, it's a work of my grace and love for you, pure and simple. All you can do is receive it. So Christian, Christian, that means 
That means I am a Christian because Jesus paid for my sins when he died on the cross. I am a Christian because he came out of the, the, the grave to defeat death, hell, and the grave forever. Thirdly, I'm a Christian because Jesus has saved me from all my sins. Present tense, active. I'm his and he is mine. I loved it. I was listening to my favorite and my best friend that I've never met who's in heaven, Andre Crouch, on the way in this morning, and I landed on the song. It's all because of Jesus that we're here. Do you know that's true? Here, in the family, in the gathering of Jesus, it's not that we're so good, it's because he's so great and we're here because of him. Can I get a yes on that one? All because of Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 states, for we are, you are, I am, we are together, God's masterpiece. He has created us, there it is again, a new, brand new, in Christ Jesus. In other words, the all-surpassing power and greatness is not us, it's all him, in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna just be a hearer, 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 do you? I wanna be a doer, doer, doer. I wanna do the word. I wanna put the word into practice. We can come and go and come and go, and we can listen to podcasts, but if we don't become t t doers of the truth of his word, we're not changed, and he's looking for change. Not saved again by good works. You were saved to do the good things God planned and planted in you, and they're still there. Some of you have been on the run for a long time, but they're still there, and he's still calling you by name. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. You're a child of God only because of what he has done for you. Don't settle for anything less than God's best for you. Well, pastor, you're 68. How can you say that? Or I'm 58 or 48. It doesn't make any difference. How do you know with God and his grace, the best is always yet ahead? It doesn't matter the length of time. Most likely, I'm probably not gonna double my age on this earth, but I believe no matter how good it's been in the past, that God has more for me and for us to do right now in the years ahead until I draw my first breath in heaven. How about you? So don't despair, don't wring your hands. I'm not in Washington, I'm not in LA. I can't necessarily make a difference here, but I can make a difference here, uh, there. I can make a difference here. I can let my light shine where I am. I can use my influence here, in my neighborhood, in my family. Agreed in this community, that's what he's looking for. I love it, I pulled up the song that I think Kathy and Nate and Judy wrote, I won't settle for anything else. I mean, that, those are fighting words. I mean, we're standing in truth. We're not leaning to the right, we're not leaning to the left. We're leaning into the truth, and we're saying, it's, it's a defiance, I, uh, I'm not gonna settle for anything less than what God has for me. I want all of what he has for me. And when we stand before him, a lot of us think maybe he's gonna say, well, shame on you, you're here, but you did this and you shouldn't have done that. Well, I don't know about that, I, that may be some of it, but I think the greater thing he's gonna say, what have you done with what I gave you? I think, that's, I think those omission kind of things are gonna be greater than the commission or, or those acts that we've done. Are you, are you following me? I wanna stand before him. You know what I'm living for? Well done. I used to love it when my dad would pat me on the back. He wasn't a real expressive person. He wasn't a huggy, feely person like I am until Dixie joined our family and then she hugged everybody. And before many years, everybody's hugging and kissing everybody. And we give, we give her all the credit for that. It's true. It's true. But I love it. I, I can remember the early days when we first moved up here from the other campus and, and he didn't say anything after a service, but he, I'd feel this hand on my shoulder and just a squeeze his shoulder and he just kind of rubbed my shoulder. That's as good as a hug, huh? That's as good as a hug. Well, as good as it gets. I wanna hear his well done, the Father's well done. And no matter what you've had, if some of you are still longing that from an earthly father and, and maybe, it's, maybe they're gone, maybe they're, they're, they're in heaven, 
that could be, but I want to tell you, there's a heavenly father who loves you no matter what your earthly father. Never, I think we make a mistake, I've often said, I, as good as man of my earthly father was, I don't look at him to find out what God is like. I need to look at God to find out what my father should be like. I need to look at God to find out what I should be as a father. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? No? You're looking at me with a, uh, your head's kind of cocked here a little bit. No. No, because no matter how you're old today, a lot of how old you are, you may be, there are some of you that still have struggles in your life because of things that weren't right with a father. But I want to tell you, things can be right with our Heavenly Father. And it's so amazing what he can do to release by his supernatural power forgiveness and all kinds of things that we thought we could never let go of, but by his grace and power, we can do just that. And we'll get back to my life verse that enables us to do that. So I remind you, I'm reminding you a lot of things that most of you know. You're saved by God's grace through faith. You can't see it, you can't always describe it. It's something inward that come, becomes outward. You're saved not to just sit, but you're saved to serve. You're saved to grow within the context and the accountability of a local church fellowship. I believe that more than ever before. We need the church. We need, how many know we're stronger together? That's how Satan defeats us. He spreads us out in this long, thin, gray line, and there's all kinds of gaps. The more distant we get, the more easily he can break through the ranks. But when we're close, like those, whatever it's called, Nate, the Romans that used to be in that squadron where they put all their shields up, and they would just advance, 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 and they were seldom defeated because they advanced with determination. Well, these days, oh, then I would add to that that you're also saved to be a, contributing member of the team. I've been on several sports teams and I know that, that one of our pastors hit that in the series and I think it was maybe Pastor Andrew, if I'm not mistaken. But um, you know, I, I, I've been part of some good teams and some not so good teams and particularly in basketball and baseball. And if I had the team, number one, I had to wear the uniform. I couldn't just show up anyway. I mean, I had to not be shim, I had to identify with the team. And can you believe it? They made me go to every single practice and I had to show up at games. I couldn't just go and say, hey, I don't feel like it, it's raining or whatever, I'm not gonna show up. Have any of you had a similar experience or has it changed nowadays? No. I mean, elementary age kids, we're breaking our backs to get them to every tournament and junior this and senior that or whatever. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but I'm saying, man, we ought to, we ought to make the same effort when it comes to things, all things spiritual. Yes? So I, I'll say if you, if you said yes to Jesus and you have a relationship with him, you are on the team, but are you a contributing member or are you sitting and sulking? You know, the attitude. Have you ever watched players and, 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 and they get taken out and they don't want it and they go to the end of the bench and sulk? And that doesn't end in high school or, or high college. That goes into pro. Oh, what happens to you? Your respect for them goes way down. So we're not to just sit and soak. There are times of soaking for sure, but we're to sit and Sir, we're to join, we're to get on the team, not to sulk over what happened or should happen or what happened somebody else, somewhere else was saying, I wanna be a contributing member of the team. These days it seems that the importance of growth in the context of the local, I like to call it the gathering of Jesus, is often overlooked. But, but think about it, if you read your Bible regularly, you, you, and if you're not, you should, and, and listen to it, do whatever, but most New Testament was written to the local church. How many of you know that? From, from cover to cover in the New Testament, the Old Testament as well, the, the messages to the churches. Paul presumed that doing good things God planned would be with and through the church because I said it before, I'll say it again, we are so much better together. 
That would have been a huge tax for Dixie and I just to go to Smithville and to feed all the people. But with the team, oh man, it became a delight to serve all the people we serve, even the people like Nate that were doing dishes once we got back with the mess. Agreed? Why? Because we know we're not just serving them, we're serving him. We're serving him by serving them. Can I get a yes faster out there, anybody? All right, I'm on a roll today. I can't, I can't repeat this second service, I guarantee you that. I will just play the video second service. There are so many churches that are striving and barely surviving. I listen to podcasts, I read, I, I, all of these things, and my heart goes out to them. Then there are churches that are thriving even in these days that the virus and during and, and after, and Worcester Naz just happens to be one of those churches we're thriving uh, because we have so many committed men and women and boys and girls and teens like you. That's why. And it's contagious. You guys are contagious. You're attractive. Kindness and love makes a person attractive, Proverbs said. And that, that, that draws people. No matter what's going on in our world, no matter what the economy is, I want to tell you, a life-giving church that's burning brightly with passionate love for God, people are going to still come. Yes, we've got new people galore here today in this service, and I'm so grateful for that. So I'm thankful that this is a life-giving church. It's not the only one, but it is one because we're saying we're not gonna lean right or left. We're gonna lean into the truth. I'm a child of God. I'm a member of God's family, and I'm a serving member of God's family. Some of you have come here. You come all beat up and battered, and, and you used to serve your tail off everywhere you've been, but you think you've done your tour. You've done your duty, and it's up to somebody else. I wanna tell you, this church, Worcester Naz, we need you more than ever before. We need your wisdom and experience, not to just do necessarily what you've always done, but how have you know God? God may have something new and different for you to do in this season of your life, but he wants to use your wisdom and experience, so it's time for you to not come and go, come and go, but to join the team and go, I am not ashamed to be identified with him, but I'm not ashamed to identify with his church. This church happens to be Worcester Naz. Make no mistake, being a team member of Worcester Naz or any other church will not save you. It will help keep you connected through constant connection, God intends you to grow and to serve and to share, connecting with taking people with heaven, to heaven with us as many as we can. God has not created you to be an isolated Lone Ranger. And really, if any, does anybody remember the Lone Ranger? I mean, did you ever hear about him at all? It's when the teens are in here in force, they, they're sitting down there going, I go, well, Google it, Google it. But you know, he wasn't alone because he had Tonto and he had Silver, agreed? It was always the three of them at least. I forget what Tano's horse's name was. But over the years, and I, I've, I said this earlier, but I'll say it again in a different way hopefully. Though over the years, I've observed that how much stronger people are spiritually when they get well-connected and stay well-connected to the local church. I've also seen the lack of it, lack of it and, and I've seen the big drift that happens because of it. I, I remember as a kid, because it was a lot easier to keep track of people in our church and who wasn't there, and here's, here's what happened. Life would get busy, families would come and all that, and we start making decisions, and we start showing up less and less frequently. That's always a point of concern, because it doesn't go from A to Z overnight. That's when Amazon delivers, but that's not true spiritually. We just go gradually, but that's the first sign, and that the problem, a big spiritual problem is called distance. I, I hit that earlier. But distance creates separation. So maybe some of you have gotten careless. Maybe some of you have been committed to a men's Bible study, and you would say, that's the highest point in my life. That's when I've been closest to the Lord, but you've gotten careless, and, and you've gotten busy, and you've been tired, and you've slept in. I, I'm not being legalistic about it, but I tell you, you need to get reconnected 
to that prayer pod, whatever the case may be, to that group. You need to be connected. You need to be connected. You're not created to be isolated. No, the drift is on. So I just wanna ask you before I hit my final quick three points, I wanna ask you, where are you when it comes to this connection? I mean it this way, are you lost or found by his love? And that's, has, that has nothing to do with him because he's already done all he needs to do. You just have to receive it, embrace it, true? So you, you alone can answer that with your free will. But are you connected here? Are you connected to a life-giving church that preaches the truth and stands on the truth of God's word? Are you still showing up? Sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do when we don't feel like it is to show up. Have I said this before? I want to show up. I don't always feel like showing up. Is anybody with me? But I want my want to to trump my feel like it. Huh? I, I, I go, I know I want to when I'm thinking clearly. I made that decision. I want to do this. And I don't care how my feelings come and go because they'll align with my want to at some point in time, most likely. Agreed? Keep showing up for your family, dads. Don't be absent. Don't leave or forsake your family. Some of you haven't left, but you've forsaken them because you're everywhere but attentive to your family, to your spouse, to your kids. Let's be like Jesus. He said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Being forsaken is a killer thing nowadays. Do you know that to be true? Well, God's working with power in our lives, and I want to go to the big three as we wrap this up today. Um, So I'm asking you, and I... I uh, was listening to a podcast by Michael Todd recently, and I, and I got these some words that I've added to it, but he talked about when it comes to so many things spiritual in our lives, we have to, first of all, just make a decision what we're gonna do. We're deciding. We have free will. We decide, but it's gonna take discipline to follow through. How many times have we decided, but the first time we don't feel like it, we don't follow through. We decide, and then we use discipline, and you believe it or not, when we begin to do those things, you know what the Lord does? He creates a desire within us to do what pleases him. And then that can actually come, become a delight. The very thing you didn't feel like doing can actually become a delight, at least when you're leaving after you've done it, like shopping or exercising, right? I'm, I'm just testifying there. I'm relieved whenever I walk out of any kind of a store. I'm relieved when I walk up, up the stairs after I've exercised. I haven't always, I got a confession. I always haven't felt like walking down the stairs. I can tell you that for sure. All right, you're with me. And then that, those D words, I think one, two, three, four, five, the fifth one I would add, that creates your destiny. And I want you to know that your destiny, the one you're pursuing, that not only impacts you, it impacts so many other people that you have influence over. Look at me, you have influence. People are watching your life. People are watching you whether you know it or not. I just want them, I want my life to point to him, to praise him from whom all blessings flow, how about you? You doing okay out there? I'm all wound up, I'm all wound up. I need an organist behind me to give me some da-da-da-da-da-da or whatever they do. Well, let's, let's land with the big three here. Uh, if you're new here, I'm not crazy, I'm just passionate. I believe fewer things more deeply than I ever have in my life. And loving God and loving people, there's nothing greater than that and living transformed. Well, I can't answer that, but you can. I want you to do some serious soul searching about that. Where are you in your connection with God and, with, and through his church? Christians, believers, followers need to embrace the joy, the delight, the word I just used, of living out their faith in and through the church. That's the way God established it. 
That's the way he established we're gonna be more effective just running off and doing our own thing all the time. We're gonna grow weary and lose heart. We're gonna give up. We are, we are. That's, that's how we are. We start with a flourish, man. We start sprinting, but we forget that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Agreed? 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now abide, I love this passage. I use it most every wedding I do. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is, the greatest of these is what? These three things are meant to last and last to make a huge impact on the world that we are called to influence. They were to be present in every single gathering of Jesus. And to the degree that these things are present, that's what makes us life-giving. That's what makes us have an impact and influence on this community. Listen, we can have Worcester Naz, we can have a much greater, quicker, faster influence on this smaller community than we could ever have if we were planted in New York City. You follow me? Does it? Does that make sense logically, or LA, or Chicago, wherever it may be? Because, because the percentages of our influence are much, much higher. So think about that, that's a responsibility. Well, let's talk briefly about faith. After the masses were saved at Pentecost and the New Testament and Acts, the church was quickly formed and they needed to be connected so they could grow and thrive. And God, the Holy Spirit, knew that. So here's what happened, Acts 2.41. Those who believed after Peter cowered, you know, afraid of everything, Peter, big talk, you know, small walk. After they met and the Holy Spirit came, what did he do? He shared with power and he said people were stricken in the heart and it said that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. Listen to this, about 3,000 in all. That gave me goosebumps. I still think that's a factor that works. If we, if people say, oh, your, your church is too big. Well, it's relative. There are churches that are so much bigger than us. But I believe life-giving churches are gonna be growing. Does anybody believe that? And they're gonna be attractive and people wanna come and find out. I mean, I don't wanna go to a restaurant where nobody's ever there. I wanna go where it's packed. And I'm sorry to say, I shouldn't say it. I won't say it. I just go drive home granted about things I thought but I couldn't say. <laughs> It's for me to know and for Dixie to find out. I'll tell her <laughs> if I can remember. Wow. I love the Michael W. Smith song that he at least recorded. You know, I believe he can do it again. He can do it again. It's not the number. Who cares about that? It'll take care of themselves. But if we're a life-giving place where, where people are meeting Jesus, I want to tell you, people are going to want to keep showing up. Agreed? Agreed? The Holy Spirit supernaturally gathered these new Christians together in, in, in community of believers. It was in the, that context that they displayed their faith. In what context are you displaying your faith? Um, if we can't live it in here, we're probably not gonna live it out there. Could I say that again? If we can't live it in the family, we're probably not gonna live it. If we can't testify to it in the family, we're probably not gonna testify to it out there. But the Bible still says, don't be ashamed of the life transformational gospel of Jesus Christ. The power is there. That's where they displayed it. It says in 29 and 31 of Acts 4, they walked in great boldness. They weren't ashamed. It says in Acts 4, uh, 4.30, they witnessed miracles. Acts 4.32, they gave cheerfully. They shared the power of the resurrection. That was in Acts 43. That's all they could talk about because that kept them up at night because they'd never seen anybody resurrected from the dead. Have you? How many of you think you'd ever get over that? And then watching him go to heaven. Something, listen to the wordage, something powerfully God happens 
when people come together in faith and become the gathering of Jesus. It happened then and it happens now. It'll happen tomorrow when people fall in love with God and his church. Priceless, unstoppable. We raised our kids around the church. I'm not apologetic for it. I know kids hammer their parents. Say, you crammed it down my throat, man. We crammed it down your throat, did we not? And I guess some ways you'd have to say, but you know what? We didn't want our kids to only fall in love with Jesus. He said, how can you fall in love with Jesus and not love his church, his family? Give me that old time religion. Makes me love everybody. Remember that spiritual? We want that. We de- and, and I'm gonna tell you, adults, we, that doesn't just always happen. It's gonna be our influence and by the decisions we make because our kids know what they want, but they often don't know what's best for them. And we've gotta make decisions for their best, not according to what they feel like. Hey, pat me on the back. I'm preaching good today. Will you do that? That's one of my sons in whom I'm, whom I'm very well pleased. Go approach my kids and say, hey, did Pastor and Dixie, do they live it out at home? Hey, you have a free reign. Let, it, let them tell you the good, bad, and ugly. It's fine. Well, I don't know how I got so wound up today. Sometimes I feel like I have to compensate for the rainy days, you know, the gloom, the Eeyore days. But the second thing in the Bible says that we have hope. I love a vision statement that's written out of our church, but another, we exist because every person needs the hope of Jesus. Does anybody believe that in this room? Not just anybody, but everybody needs the hope of Jesus. Hope's running thin these days. Every person may be only one relationship, one friend away from knowing and loving Jesus. I've been saying that for 40-some years. Hope grows exponentially when you're connected to others of similar passionate faith. I mean, that creates holy friction, and it lights fires. This happens when you gather for worship. Not just the message, but for worship, to honor God. What I do isn't the most important part. The most important part we do is to point to him and to worship him, to say you're worthy of all praise. We exalt you, we honor you. It happens when we gather in groups. It happens when we gather in Bible studies. It happens in prayer pods and cells. It happens powerfully when you gather to serve God and others. You know, worship isn't just this way. How do you know worship goes out? It goes out, the overflow. I'm still talking about hope. I'm still talking about hope. I believe that when you release hope, when you pour out hope, it's like a boomerang that comes back on you. It's like, it's like verbal sunshine that promotes growth. We need some verbal sunshine today on a rainy day, don't we? I think I heard Nikki Gumbel talk about verbal sunshine, Bible in one year. Hope begins with Jesus and it flows from his body, through his body, his gathering, his church. Mm. Every gathering of Jesus is comprised, listen, of imperfect people of whom I am chief and greatest, who never get over being human. The most spiritual person you know in your life, they never get over being human. Agreed? Agreed? It's okay. Jesus said he'd keep on building at his church. And by the way, you go, hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. You know what I found? Hypocrites are typically the ones who claim that the church is full of them. Think about that. You'll have to mill that around. You know, I was thinking about this morning that it's your story, your testimony that brings and releases hope. Yeah, when we were at the Pregnancy Care Center, uh, we there were some testimonials delivered there and there wasn't a dry eye in the place because nobody could talk anybody out of what God did for them. The whole Embrace Grace ministry, and that was a wonderful uh, uh, culmination of this, this, this uh, 
semester of, of Embrace Grace, but the, but the young ladies that were loved on and showered on by the likes of you and were spoken life into, I'm gonna tell you, and the testimonies of, of the gals who started, isn't that, that's inspiring? That's a testimony. That makes others think, man, maybe God can do the same thing for me. If he loved you when you were broken and hurting, maybe he can love me too. If he could forgive you, maybe he can forgive me. That's the power of our testimony. That's the my stories we talk about around here. Well, John 8, 8 and 1 to 11 tells the story of that woman caught in adultery by the Pharisees and most people so relate to and have compassion with that woman and have contempt for the Pharisees and it's wonderful how Jesus reacts and he ministered her with love and acceptance, extending grace and mercy for sure. But I just want to remind you that when I read a story like this, it seems like we should also identify sometimes with the Pharisees as well. They pronounce judgment and we're ready to chuck stones at this poor woman who has sinned and how often do we look at sinners and have the same attitude? We're ready to chuck the first stone yeah we want to be like Jesus but sometimes we're judgmental and when we are that doesn't represent him well how many times have you become frustrated and angry with other team members who profess Jesus who said or did something wrong or hurt you in some way and you're holding on to it to this very day it's time to release it to let it go what did Jesus do? He always responded with love and compassion. That didn't mean he didn't speak the truth, but he did it in love even when it was stern, even when they, he needed to give correction. He did it in love. He always offered the alternative hope. Jesus offers the alternative hope. And I want to tell you, the masses need hope today. We are to be conduits of hope of Jesus, first in the church and then to the world, first in the church and then to the world, first in the church and then to the world. If we don't display it within, I'll say it again, we'll never be able to give it away with credibility. It's his hope we're offering. We must receive it and we must give it. And finally, love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, the words that you can read, verses four through 8a. I won't read those in that exact thing. I'll do a paraphrase in a moment. But in the love chapter, the word love is used repeatedly. But listen, that, and I say this at weddings generally, that it's, it's about God's kind of unconditional love. And it requires something supernatural in us and through us. It's, our love isn't enough, but it's God's love in us. It, our lives are to point to the love of God. Are you with me? It's not just how compassionate, how much I care. It's that I'm pointing people to God's unconditional love. We're just containers. We're just distributors of that love. I love, Nate, when you sing that song, The Love of God, How Measureless and Pure. That's something that was written years ago, but it's still so relevant. In the middle of significant conflict, Paul reminded them to walk in God's love, to practice God's love. A summary here, a paraphrase, God's love is hopeful and kind, isn't jealous, doesn't boast, isn't prideful, isn't rude, doesn't demand its own way, isn't irritable, keeps no record of wrong. This is God's love that is in us. Rejoices in truth, never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and is faithful to the end. At most weddings in recent years, I've read this. It was another pastor. He wrote this and paraphrased it for wedding ceremonies. He said, listen, listen carefully. This is the message of hope and love. God's love does not love someone because they're worthy. He makes them worthy by the strength and power of his love. Oh, that's good. God's love keeps on going through anything and everything. His love is the difference maker, the influencer. God's love in us seems too good to be true. No, no, no. It's good enough to actually be true. His love is the kind of love that we are to have for one another. 
That's the show-stopping, world-stopping love that'll get attention and stop them in their tracks. God's love once said, every, said once and for all, every person is worth dying for. Wow, will that change your life view perspective? If you'll look at somebody that's frustrating you and go, God said that they are worth his son dying for. That'll change forever how you look at them, how you relate to them. God's love is unique and unconditional love is supernatural. This is the type of love that is in us and is to flow out of us. Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, and I'm nearly done. So you say, Pastor, it seems so, you know, I, I need to do this. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to join the team. I need to serve. I need to, I need to keep growing. I need to do all these things. I need to show up. But, but could I just leave you with this life verse again? This is my life verse, a new one in the recent weeks, Philippians 2.13. You'll be hearing this all the time. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I'm not asking you to do anything on your own strength. I'm asking you to surrender, go palms up to him and say, I want you to be my savior and I want you to be my Lord. I want to surrender all my life to you. And I believe in so doing that you'll live in me and I will live in you and you'll give me the power to do whatever pleases you. Does anybody believe that? And by the way, Father, bring glory to your name. By my attitude today, by my response today, not my reaction, but my response, Lord, bring glory to your name. How many you know that's an exciting way to live? Wow, today, how can you bring glory to his name? How can you, can you experience that desire and power within you to do what pleases him? Well, I'm a believer. I embrace his truth and choose to follow him with my free will. I am a team member. I've joined his family of faith. I'm a follower. My attitudes and, and, and action reflect him. I'm a servant. I'm saved to serve. I'm a witness. I pray for opportunities to share my faith. I'm a prayer. I may not be a professional prayer, but I never stop praying about everything, everywhere. I am a Christian. I walk in God's unconditional love. That's what it means. I just wonder if anybody has the courage today to say, I want to identify with him. I'm going to say yes to him, and I'm going to say, I am a child of God. Huh? That's what our world needs to see, and that's what our world needs to hear. I'm going to invite you to stand if you can. I want you to conclude with a wonderful song that I've asked you that, that wraps up this. The Bible still tells us as I conclude this series that in Hebrews 10, 25, let us not neglect our meeting together. In other words, keep showing up as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We need him and we need each other more than ever. Would you agree with that? All right, Father, thanks so much for your help today. I've gone off script, but I'll trust that you prompted it. And I pray that the truth will penetrate hearts. Anything I've said that, that could be shaky, Lord, may we cast that aside, but may we receive whatever truth that you bring to our hearts. May we say yes and respond, not just hearing your word, but saying yes to it, yes to it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, sing it, guys. We